the road between between the gut feeling that you have when you first respond to a piece, when you first discover it, when you first read the score, or when you first listen to something, the route between that particular feeling that you have and the sound that that you then have in your mind in a way that you want to produce it, how you want to play the piece becomes in a way more straightforward. Because at that point, it's sort of like the more questioning you do, the more the, more the real you comes out. Because now you're, you're, you know, you're, you're now directly involved in the interpretation, let's say, of a piece of music. Today I'm talking to the violinist Carson Leong. Hi, Carson. Very nice to meet you. It's so lovely to meet you here on Zoom. And it's early morning for you in Canada. It is. It's sort of a late morning. Oh, but it's okay. nice. The weather's nice, so it's a good excuse to be up early. You know, oh, that, yeah. oh, that's wonderful. But you've been quite busy over the summer. Yes, I've been. Uh, it's been it's been quite a nice, uh, busy summer, and yet actually some time also in between things to relax as well for little pockets here and there. Since I mean busy, but at the same time not sort of spending at least a little bit more time in one place, so that I'm not moving around as much. Um, mm. uh, for example, I was in I was in a a festival in Quebec called the Menforge for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And that was where I taught, but also played. So I was able to stay there for two weeks and sort of have a little bit of downtime as well. And then I was in Italy for for uh, also a period of time, um, teaching at Mahler Academy, playing with Mahler Academy Orchestra, and then also doing a few concerts. So, you know, it was sort of, uh, yeah, busy, and yet at the same time, sort of an easier, a little easier on the travel, travel front. Oh, yeah. You know? Because you go all over the world, you travel all over the world, so that must also be a bit tricky to to uh, you know to get some rest and and also you know spend a bit of downtime. Yeah, it's sort of it's a, it's a constant sort of balance, I guess. I mean, you 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 get to travel to places, and for that, I mean, for sure, like you know, one would be very thankful for that. But at the same time, it's not like sort of like oh, get getting the time to see the sights, you know. So it's like you're there but at the same time you know it's it's sort of like a like a a constant balance between between work and play in a way but at the same time i mean you do try and especially these days as i've gotten like as as time has went on i think just like realizing the importance of that as well like having the downtime and and having time to recharge and to to rest and all that i think that's equally important so but do you you talk about the teaching do you enjoy teaching I do. I do enjoy teaching. I think teaching is a really, I think it's a really valuable, um, well, first of all, I do feel, I I do feel it's nice to interact with, let's say the new generation, you know, also the fact that I'm also part of the, we'd say that I'm part of the new generation, but in a sense, it's sort of like um, passing knowledge on or, or exchanging or at least interacting with, with young people is something always very fulfilling, um, something that I need. Um, but at the same time, it's, you know, teaching is, is always interesting because of course, I mean, I could talk about, you know, violin, anything to do with violin playing and, and using it, let's say as means to get to the end. I mean, I could talk about that all, all the time, but it sense it's just also like, if you teach things also come back to you as well, like just to be able to, um, for example, you know, be able to articulate in, or find a way to articulate in words, what is usually not really you don't really need to say sort of oh, yeah. what's what's abstract i guess inside things that you yourself look for but at the same time you never actually really have to explain i think to actually be able to explain that is actually a really it's a really interesting thing and somehow i think it always that knowledge comes back to you and also enriches you at the same time as let's say you know the knowledge is being passed or that you know, the views are being exchanged so i think that's really fulfilling. Yeah. You're not the first musician to tell that or, or artist to say that, that the teaching actually is so rewarding and that you, it's almost as that you have to rethink a little bit, you know, things that you did automatically, you have to rethink to explain it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's actually, the, the more I do it, the more I think that it's so, it's actually essential to do that in order to, let's say, to have a completely well-rounded um 
mindset, but approach even, you know, like um, just to, to, to be able to see things from different angles, let's say, um, and to be able to, let's say, reverse engineer or, or break down, let's yeah. say, uh, certain things unique but also let's say it could be it could be anything but i think that's just incredibly important um yeah it's just a, it's just an important tool in a way to be able to see things from from many different angles yeah but now at what age did you start playing the violin i started when i was four four and a half wow yeah. mm. and so and did you come from a musical family? What was the inspiration behind uh, the violin? Why did you choose the violin? Well, I think in, in the in the beginning, I, I wanted to be a double bassist. Really? <laughs> yeah, I think that was my <laughs> oh, first. What a, what a big contrast. <laughs> yeah, going going big, you know, from the very beginning, pretty much. I think uh, there was something about, um, I don't know, the presence of it, maybe. Um, and then, of course, I think my parents you know, didn't really want to, they, they said, I, probably they wanted to, well, they, they would have, they would have had to, to buy a new van or a new car or something, <laughs> or buy a space shuttle or something, right, you know, to, to transport um, such yeah. an instrument. So I think they thought, um, well, let's, maybe a mini one. Let's, let's get him something he can carry himself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like a, or a mini double basis, which in time will grow, but it never did. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. but yeah, no, I think it was, it was also something to do with the, I guess I had a natural affinity with the violin from, from, from the get go very, very fast in a way, because there was something very physical, there's something physical about the instrument. Like, you know, it's something a little bit more, um, a little bit more vigorous, let's say, than sitting at the piano and, and learning mm -hmm. the keyboard, you know, there's something already, the arms are in full, are in full motion. You're, you're, you're doing something that, feels physical i think for a kid who is you know relatively active um and 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 sort of uh yeah rambunctious at times i think that was a good good use of energy maybe well that's interesting that you say that because when my daughter was young she played the piano but she was never very motivated and then the piano teacher said to me she needs something where she's where there's more movement and then I had to play the violin and she actually loved that. So it's interesting that you say that about the movement. Yeah, I think it's, you know, there's just something, I guess the feeling as if uh, you're just doing activity in a way. Um, I think that's for kids, I would say something that could, uh, yeah, that could determine whether, whether or not you enjoy an activity because I mean, of course, it would be very, very natural that you know, you would enjoy doing sports or you would enjoy at least moving around or doing recess or whatever, you know, so I think that's, yeah, I think that was a part to play. Although I think also in time, I think I really did uh, really identify with you know, the way the violin works, like the fact that you can actually sing on the violin or that, uh, you know, there's something about the, about the approach that, that kind of agreed with me. Yeah. But now, how soon did you know that you wanted to be a professional musician that's a that's a good one since actually that was rather funnily enough it was actually much later um of course i mean i was doing i was you know doing violin rather seriously throughout my you know throughout my my childhood years and doing competitions already and, and at 13 then i went to the menuhin competition and that was a big sort of that was a big uh, eye-opening moment let's say but in a way it was like during the whole that time I was still thinking because I was still in regular school at that time um, and I was thinking to myself like oh you know, I'll keep my options open so violin in a way was of course a major major thing perhaps the major thing in my life but at the same time not the only thing um, at least that was the mindset but then I think at a certain point be when, when I was around 17 16 17 maybe even 18 like during that time, I think I went through a real evolution, mental evolution, I guess, because um, suddenly it was sort of like, you know, music making feels or has become personal in a way. It's not just something that you do because, you know, you do it for the sake of or because you're good at it or whatever, you know, um, as you did feel, let's say, when you were a kid, when you were much younger. 
um, you don't really consider these things when you're younger, but then I think at a certain point, it just became personal. And, I, you know, it was a great way to, to encapsulate or to, to process, let's say, the experiences that I would have had up to that point, just human experience in, in general. Um, and that kind of created, I guess, an, an essential need for me to do it. And so I think at that point, I was, I was, you know, telling myself, yeah, perhaps, you know, this, this, to be a violinist, I mean, that doesn't sound like, a, doesn't sound like, let's give it a shot, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it happened rather later. But you talk about the competitions that you won when you were younger. Do you think that also uh, for children playing instruments, that's important to do that? Is that more, is, is that encouraging? I mean, did that motivate you more to say, for instance, practice and, and play? Well, I think it's yeah, it's it's very individual question in a way because I think it depends on, on it depends on the individual. Um, I think for me, I think do, doing those competitions when I was young, it was um, in my mind. I think it was an excuse just to kind of go to like a social gathering. You know, oh, I see. It's like okay. when you yeah. when you when you go to those music competitions, let's say the annual ones. You know, you know that once a year you're going to meet up with with friends or with uh, other families that you enjoy and, and sort of go through an experience together. Um, I was never someone who really enjoyed practicing oh, or okay. is someone that I was always someone who that, that you would always have to try and encourage to practice oh, because okay. I'd rather be doing something else or, or, you know, kind of thing, you know? Um, so perhaps, perhaps those competitions provided a little bit of external structure for me to follow so that, you know, that I would actually at least, you know, uh, come to, to, to work on the violin, at least, you know, sort of uh, uh, regularly in a, in a regular uh, schedule. Um, what works, works right, <laughs> I guess, in that yeah. case. But I think um, it's, it, it also, I guess, really depends on the, the mindset with which you go into a competition, because that's where I think there's a lot of paradox somehow. Um, you know, music is not a, it's not a thing built for competitions. It's not a, it's not a competition aim, you know, but at the same time, there are music competitions and therefore it's very tempting to think in that way, to think that, oh, I enter and therefore I must win or therefore that I am the best or that I want to be the best. But I think it's, it's more if, if one is able to think of, um, think of competition, let's say, as a meaningful way of exposure and as, let's say, a marker for personal development so let's say as a goal that you make for yourself without looking to your side for example without looking at other people um i think that's that can be really where competitions can be useful especially at a young age um but otherwise i think that you know you can you can see sort of how let's say how easily it can be unhealthy in that sense it just depends on the mindset i think um, but if one is able to cultivate that mindset, and that de depends also on the people around you, that you know that that surround you, your support system, your parents, you know, your teacher, your your friends, your you know people who are around you, let's say who, who are willing to support you and push you in the right direction. I think it all depends on on just having a healthy, um, a healthy, uh, yeah, healthy situation that way to begin with. Yeah. I just I spoke to a, a painter this in this week and, and we talked about this whole thing and it's so interesting that you mentioned this as well that you know competition that we should not always see it as being envious of somebody or, or thinking somebody is better, but that that actually is a you should see it as a way of encouragement. You know, if you can think look at somebody and and think that hey this is almost like a a bit of a encouragement for you to do that maybe better than you did before so if you see also the competitions that you shouldn't um judge yourself so harshly then you know if you don't win then it's it's actually then beneficial yeah absolutely i think that in that case you know the the, the competition results are are there, but at the same time, they're not as they're not as important as let's say like the the changed person that you are at the end, mm -hmm. or let's say the the renewed outlook that you might have on yourself, but also on your on your music making at the end. I think that's much more 
valuable somehow. Um, and it's true, it's sort of like, you know, um, if I find that, I think it would be natural, let's say, if you focus on the idea of competition that you would focus on, let's say, the more, um, because in the end, music is not quantified. It's not something quantifiable. It's not like measuring yeah. something in sports or, you know, objectively, you can measure something in sports. Um, music can do that. But at the same time, I could imagine that it would encourage someone, let's say, to look at technique and to, to at least focus on on, let's say, just oh, the yeah. cleanliness and the perfection, the, the so-called perfection of technique. But at the same time, the funny thing is, in, in my experience, you know, like it actually, the way the way things trickle down is actually the opposite. In a way, it all comes from, ideally, I would assume, just like, you know, the vision or the, the conviction, musical conviction that you first have. And, you know, imagine the kind of sound that you want to produce or imagine the kind of music that you want to make. And then you find the solution that having that as a priority immediately uh, in, immediately encourages the right kind of progress in technique rather than, let's say, working technique as a general thing first and then dealing with the music later. I feel like that's actually you know, counterproductive in a way when it comes to being a musician, you know. And, and in the end, I think that's what people are listening for, even if, let's say, people are listening with uh, with a slightly more critical, you know, uh, critical ear as one naturally would, let's say, in a competition setting. But at the same time, I think at, at all at all times, that's what people are looking for is to be touched, is the goosebumps moments, you know, oh, yeah. like the, yeah. those those are what is currency in our profession, mm -hmm. in in our art. You know, it's not to say who can play um, the fastest, the cleanest. The, the most consistent that is honestly quite boring <laughs> to be honest um, yeah. because in a way it's it's achievable that's achievable just by you know um, you see so many cases of it today like it's just it's easy to to get to that kind of standard through just consistent hard work but when it comes to let's say having something to say something individual to say something that comes really from a very deep place within somewhere very personal and being able to express that through the means of your technique. That I think is something that, that you know, the people, I think audience members will remember those instances and will continue to want to pay for those kinds of instances as yeah. well. You know, those that's the real currency, yeah, yeah. But how much pressure do you have as a, say you, you're a student or you're studying music and of course, then there's a lot of emphasis on the technique, and there are all these these uh, music or the regulations or the things. How easy is it for you then to develop your own style? So, because you you are very uh, when we, when I watch you play, when I hear you, it's you are very much your own artist. You know, you you have your own style and your own way of expressing, but. Somewhere, where did you get the, to the confidence of being yourself? Yeah, in a, in a way, I think it all stems from maybe starting to question everything. Mm -hmm. uh, because, of course, I mean, it's very, it's, very, it's very natural that we would start, let's say, playing violin, learning from a particular method or from a particular tradition or at least having, let's say, particular sounds in, in the ear already, let's say, growing up. Um, and that's great because anyway, we need to start from somewhere. But at the same time, I think it's equally valuable at a certain point to, to start to, to have the courage to unlearn, you know, and to, to you know, start to question everything. I think actually, and, and that happens, I guess, um, more, let's say, when you when you encounter differing viewpoints, or when you encounter, let's say, viewpoints that are that are different from the one that you currently have, and I think that's always that's always helpful. That's always beneficial in the sense that that causes you to then reevaluate your own viewpoints. You know, even something as specific as like even the way you produce sound or the sound that you produce or you know, ideas, particular specific ideas about the music itself or a particular piece, let's say, um, that you, you're able to, to let's say, you know, not, to, not to settle on something, but 
to continually reevaluate and to continually question something to the point where like, okay, that process, you continually do it. Um, I think that over time you do develop, let's say the, the confidence or the conviction to, to follow your own ideas or to actually make musical decisions for yourself. I think without that spirit of constantly re-examining and questioning for yourself, that nobody does that for you, but you do it yourself. You know, I think that that, that really does lead in that particular direction. And uh, for me, I think once I developed the confidence to do that, then it was very easy to start to actually imagine sound exactly how I would want to produce it. Or, you know, imagine, let's say, or even like the road between between the gut feeling that you have when you first respond to a piece, when you first discover it, when you first read the score, or when you first listen to something, the route between that particular feeling that you have and the sound that that you then have in your mind in a way that you want to produce it, how you want to play the piece becomes in a way more straightforward. Because at that point, it's sort of like the more questioning you do, the more the more the real you comes out. Because now oh, yeah. you're you're you know you're you're now directly involved in the interpretation, let's say, of a piece of music. Um, so I think that uh, yeah, not to I think that the general idea is not to be complacent. That's mm. you know like whether in music making or whether in 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 daily life. Um, that's it's part of that, I guess. It's never to sit on your laurels, so to say. Never to yeah. sort of like to say, oh, okay, I'm comfortable doing this. I'm comfortable with this, yeah, but in a spirit of, of also like con in, in continual development, um, that it is part of that in the sense that you don't, you always look for something that, let's say, will continue to, to, to exercise or to test what you know. Um, so in that sense, it's, uh, yeah, I think uh, not to be complacent and to be constantly mm -hmm. searching and to be constantly questioning. I feel like that's how, at least um, for me, how it came about. But in a sense, it's also like, you don't go into it with, uh, with, the, with the, let's say the desire to just to be individual for the sake of being individual. You just basically, at a certain point, it's like you do things how you think things should be done, as simply as that. And I think that when you get to that state backed up, let's say, by a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, experimentation, a lot of thinking, a lot of rethinking, all that stuff. And I think that um, then, it, then it really comes from a place of authenticity, I find. Um, because I think if you go into it just wanting to sound different from anyone else, I think that's immediately something uh, that's a superficial aim. Yeah. You know, that let's say you, you haven't, let's say, gone through the full circle of 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 rethinking of reinventing of questioning and all that stuff which is really necessary i think to um to find oneself truly mm -hmm. so yeah. would you say you're a little bit of a rebel i would say not all the time okay. but i would say <laughs> i'm someone who would be who is always who has always always been comfortable let's say being on a different path or on being let's say on an individual path regardless of whoever else is on that path, whether there's no one, whether there's some people, whether there's everyone, like that was something that I was rather comfortable with. So even let's say if I was going at something alone or if I was doing something as long as true to myself or or um, or, or something that, that I really believed in, then I would, didn't mind, let's say, being alone doing something. So in that sense, I mean, I, I felt like I was always free to um free to do what I wanted to do in the sense that I wasn't uh, urged I, I didn't feel the urge to follow the trend or to, to let's say oh, yeah. to be part of a group let's say yeah. that's wonderful that you that you had the confidence to do that but did, did you uh, as uh, when you were younger did you play in an orchestra as well or did you always play solo yeah so in a way I mean when I was young, I did I did a few you know kind of a few different facets or a few different roles in the way I would go to also orchestra camp when I was younger, um, 
and chamber music and all of that. I think like in the end, it's like when you play with people, whether it's whether it's orchestra or chamber music, that's actually a real way to learn about life and about human relations. And it's sort of like human relations condensed yeah. into a specific circumstance. Um, but through, let's say, uh, chamber music especially, I think just you, you learn to communicate with people and you learn to to make compromise, which is what you which, which is what you do when you're dealing with people. And it really teaches you about that aspect of life. And I think that orchestra playing, whether it's orchestra playing or whether it's even playing solo with orchestra, it's all an extension of that. So in a way, like, uh, and there'll be sometimes let's say that I would nowadays, even let's say after the concerto, after the, after you know going on stage for the concerto, that I would sort of discreetly put myself at the back of the second or first violins for the symphony. Sometimes I would do that in the orchestra, and I really, really enjoy it every single time. I think there's something about, um, as much as I'm happy, let's say with the previous point, as much as I was happy, let's say, going at things alone, or or there's something also really, really gratifying about becoming part of like a a whole, like one whole unified unit that's that's working towards the same goal, you know. Um, and in that sense, I mean, I love, yeah, I just, I, I love the idea of being in orchestra, even, of course, if I'm, if I'm, you know, mostly a soloist these days, but I, I just love the idea of being part of something and, and being and coming together with like-minded people somehow. That's great. Yeah. You know, I, this is so wonderful for me always to hear conductors also speaking about this and musicians speaking about the orchestra. This is, there's something that sounds so magical about the orchestra because like you say, there's some, this, this feeling of togetherness, of creating, of, you know, people coming together, different instruments, but playing and making sound um, that that it sounds such a, a great club to be in <laughs> almost, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's just, it's just yeah. there's something quite, ma because in a sense, it's like, you know, the kind of musical ends that you work towards in your individual practice room. Like yeah. you want to try and unfold a phrase, for example, like the best way that you can. And just imagine that times 50 or times 100, you know, mm -hmm. it's like everyone is in or ide most ideally um, would be there, would be giving their complete all towards towards one piece of music. And that just the kind of synergy that that, that comes out of that kind of experience is just, yeah, I could imagine it's it's like one of the. The, the, it's like when you when you're able to feel genuinely like one like one with the people around you or the people beside you i think that's 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 that would be an amazing feeling yeah but you've recently done a recording as well yeah so the the recent the most uh the most recent recording that i've put out is one that i did in uh in pandemic time with uh, Philharmonia Orchestra in London and uh, conductor Austrian conductor Patrick Hahn. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and it was, we we had a great time together. Um, but it's a recording of Britain's so Benjamin Britten's violin concerto and Max Bruch, the famous violin concerto, his famous violin concerto, and another piece also by Bruch called In Memoriam, which is not very well known at all. I mean, even among violinists, I mean, I didn't even know it before I discovered it, but uh, Bruch, it's interesting in the sense that Bruch considered it his, you know, best work for violin and orchestra. Interesting in the sense that if you imagine like his, how popular his violin concerto is. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think it was, that was sort of a project when I discovered, first of all, Britain concerto, that's one of those pieces. It's like a 20th century piece wartime piece in a way or or sort of the premonitions of war the second world war spanish civil war you know things that were happening and this in a way reflects the character of that um is is so visceral in the way that it reflects that kind of character you know um and of course in in the circumstances that we found ourselves in during the pandemic but even just currently i think that's such a it speaks still so powerfully and it's and, yeah. and in a way is so relevant um 
and I want I I felt the need to record that piece when I after a while just discovering it I was like I got to record that piece but then also the balancing it with something like Bruch which beyond the fact that it's it's well known among violinists and well loved as among the most popular among the most popular uh, in the violin repertoire but just the fact that it's so comforting as a piece I thought that it would be the perfect just juxtaposition with the Briton as well. So, um, okay. yeah, yeah. So that was the reasoning behind that. Do you have a preference of um, composers that you, the music that you enjoy playing? Um, you know, the way I always answer this question is that, you know, every period even, or even every composer brings out a different of me. Um, I think, I try not to have favorites, you know, like from an interpreter's point of view of someone who yeah. actually plays the music and actually wants to convey it most convincingly to an audience. I think it's, it would serve, it would, it would kind of, it would be nice to treat everything equally with the same amount of respect and the same amount of effort. Um, but I do have certain soft spots. I mean, I do have for Brahms, I've always had a soft spot for Brahms in, in particular from very young. Um, I love, going back to the roots in a sense to Bach um, more and more. I feel like that's, that's, that's important to me. Um, but at the same time, I also love like anything, anything that has any sort of any, any, let's say um, that's rooted in nostalgia or rooted in, let's say like someone's roots, you know, folk oh, music yeah. even. Um, or even, let's say, longing to go back to, let's say, childhood state, you know, of things, or when, you know, kind of music of Schumann, for example, a lot of it, or um, things like Bartok or Janáček or Szymanowski, Inescu, any of these things where you do deal with actually like a direct expression, even if it's not like folk music itself, but it does deal with a lot of folk influence and and you do feel like it's music of the people, you know, oh, in the yeah. countryside yeah. that's deeply rooted to country, that's deeply rooted to land. I think that's that kind of repertoire always fascinates me. Um, but in general, honestly, I mean, as much as I, I would like to to figure out sort of like, or not even like to, but just as much as I, uh, for the sake of this question, like to, you yeah. know, pick out something, it's kind of a possible at this point it's like everything brings out something different mm -hmm. like i love french music as well and and you know how that differs from the from the german aesthetic as well i mean that that to me is always quite interesting um mozart's always that's something that i've come to enjoy increasingly as you get older okay. you know because in a way it's sort of like it speaks to, to the idea that simplicity is sort of infinite complexity in a way and that you, the more, let's say that you become more and more complex, the more you're able to appreciate something simple and jewel-like, let's say. Um, yeah, but this yeah, is but, what I, I thought about now when you answered is also, can you see sort of how it evolved for you in the sense that when you were younger, there were certain things that you, that appeal to you more and now you say like more and more you tend to be drawn to the music of Mozart so that there's these stages of your life also that that you can almost um, take this music on and and uh, um, you know appreciate it more. Sure um, you know I think it has a lot to do with also just the way you, you internalize music I think it's very different from when you're young, from when you're old or when you're older, you know, um, because also your priorities when listening, like when you listen or when you perceive music, the way you do it or the way it goes inside is, 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 is different in a sense. Um, I find that when I was young, I wouldn't necessarily, let's say, have the as internal, let's say, as an as a perception of music as you know, of course, you would you would appreciate, let's say, the aesthetics of something, external aesthetics, or, for example, something that is big, that is 
bombastic. You know, of course, as a as a kid, you would you would be drawn to that, and be drawn to the big concerti, and you'd be drawn to. Of course, I mean that stuff is great, um, but at the same time, I think as as I as I've gotten older, I've I've come to appreciate things. Let's say of the more intimate, or even of the more simple sense, like in a sense that you do like less is more, um, in that sense. So chamber music has become even more valuable to me than when I was when I was younger. Um, but also dealing with, let's say, for example, um, you know, music that is that goes that that let's say is a little bit more introverted, that goes rather inside to the heart. I find that, you know, um, or and, and to be able to, let's say, find this quality in any kind of music, slow movements of Mozart, regardless of the fact that, let's say, you know, he wrote it when he was 19 years old. There's uh-huh. still so, so much youth youth in that music. And in a way, also the, the reason not to take the, that those kind of pieces too seriously from a scholarly point of view, like just the attitude with which you approach it is light, but at the same time, you're still able to find, let's say, the moments of intimacy and the moments of, of real internal searching, let's say, um, in in the more lyrical aspects or, you know, and, and so that awareness, I think, has gotten bigger over time, just that you're, you're looking for, um, you know, you're looking for even in the simplest, even in the most intimate of music passages or music making settings that you're able to build like this internal world around you rather than, you know, appreciating just the big and the, oh, yeah. the, the energetic and, the, you know, so I think that has changed. Yeah. But do you also play uh, music from composers, uh, um, living composers, like contemporary composers? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it can be really fascinating. Um, just because, I mean, you know, when you interact with a, with a composer, it's they're living. And so it's actually a two way street in a way. Amazing. Um, yeah. And and and. That's really fascinating in a sense that, you know, you do have a direct source um, of you get to the direct source of inspiration, of course, because the composer was is there. But at the same time, also, you get to exchange and you get to discuss ideas. Um, and I think that that's uh, it sort of speaks to music making, even let's say when even when a composition is already penned that the process of bringing it to life is still is always ever changing. It's never, it's never like, oh, that's the way to do it. And that's it. You know, I think in, in, in my experience, at least it's been really interesting how let's say, oh, like the composer himself would or herself would rethink and, and, and sort of go along with certain ideas or go and, yeah. and even adapt a piece to different spaces, different venues, different circumstances. That for me is 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 the the appeal you know of working with with uh, living composers. Yeah. Well, I've spoken to a few composers, and and the ones that I spoke to also said the same thing that sometimes they, when the music is given to the musician, or the, then it's almost uh, you know more than they expected it to be because of what how the musician interprets it. And then also, like you say, you know, then going with that and and not having thought of it being that way. So, isn't it amazing this this cooperation then, or this collaboration then between musician and composer? Yeah, uh, it's it's fast it's fascinating, and and I think that that's really the the you know it's like music making is never static, you know. And in that sense, it's like you know, music itself. Once it is, even if it is composed, it will, it will, it will, it will take a life of its own in a way. Um, those notes will, you know, there's just there's infinite amount of facets behind what is possible. And and I think that uh, you know, yeah, just if the if the the relationship between composer and, and interpreter and all that, I think if it really becomes 
like if it's something that continues to live that continues yeah. to produce you know something new and, and and let's say something that continues to change and continues to evolve then that can be really gratifying yeah well a young composer once said to me that he he loves the idea that the audience loves uh, love his music but for him what means the most is when the musicians who play the music when they love playing the music yeah no absolutely i think it's you know because in a way to do to convey a piece of music convincingly in a way it's sort of we have to put because we act as the conduit of course we're the, we're, we're yeah. the instrumentalist but at the same time the music in 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 many ways sort of we have to our personal experience our you know visions of sound of color that becomes our palette so in a way i mean we do have to put ourselves very deep into a piece of music in order to let's say understand it and to to execute it convincingly and so in that sense i think um yeah i could imagine then because it's like when you really when you when you go that deep and you really love a piece of music then i think that really speaks um speaks volumes um and makes in a way it makes me me, me want to I, I could definitely see myself like in the future as being let's say part of the the path i mean of of me becoming a composer as well i think just as a natural continuation of that yeah of uh um it feels like a natural continuation at least at some point yeah so you have an interest in in composing for sure yeah amazing but I'm going to ask you now something very um, strange probably for you, but I've spoken to a few um, violinists and what I never realized was the, how important the shoes are when you play the violin. Is that true? <laughs> that um, you, have to feel, you have to feel grounded or you have to, you know, do you have special shoes with, that you use when you play? Um, I've actually never thought about the shoes per se to that really? point, but, um, I do agree with the, the premise. Like I do agree with, yeah. with the idea that you do have to be grounded and you do have to feel as if like, you do have to feel as if you're an extension, you have roots in the ground, let's say when you play, um, because in the, in the end posture is very important, obviously. And, and that's very much a part of good posture, I find. Um, I think it, it helps everything like down the chain. If it helps sound production, it helps even the amount of confidence that you have, you know, helps your mm -hmm. posture, all of these things. I think that it really becomes like, um, yeah, I think it's, it's important to have uh, good shoes in that sense. I think, it, I mean, it's sort of, now that you've made me think about it, maybe I'll, I'll sort of, you know, go, go and invest in my own pair of Goodyear welted, you know, oh. sort of handmade dress shoes, maybe. But, uh, you know, like it's, it's yeah, it's a great idea, actually. Well, to be, to be at least yeah. to be solid in your stance. Yeah. One one said that if he could have his way, he would go barefoot on stage. <laughs> that's, that's also very interesting because I've never seen yeah. violinists go barefoot, but I've seen pianists go really? barefoot. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, at least Sarah Ott stands out actually <laughs> as, as one pianist who, who I saw barefoot. And I can understand like the idea behind that because in yeah. a sense it's sort of like, you know, let's say in the pedaling, for example, you feel more direct connection with the resonances of the piano, you yeah. know. And in a sense I could imagine when you play barefoot, as sometimes as you do in the practice room when you're, when you're doing at home, it's like yeah. that you feel more, again, connected with the, with the ground in a sense mm -hmm. I, I could i could see that for sure um but i i guess you'll have to make sure your nails are all all in good shape before you go barefoot <laughs> on stage though i mean a pedicure you know. before you go <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. <laughs> but Carson, tell me now what's the wish for you what's the wish well i wish to you know i mean from a personal point of view, first of all, to continue chasing, to continue chasing, let's say, the, you know, the internal, mm -hmm. internal me, I guess, 
um, to continue to constantly evolve, to continue to to embark on this this journey of questioning, as I, as, as I mentioned before, like just as a way of continuing to to develop myself, but also to strip away the layers that you know that reveal the the me that's inside. I find that that's you know from a, speaking firstly from a personal point of view, um, but also like. In general, we live we live in very interesting times. I find, in terms of all, and also to to ask the question of what the role in which, let's say, um, classical music or even acoustic instruments play in the future. Um, also, let's say, um, within the new generation, you know, because of course we'll all constantly let's say have, you know, a renewing cycle of of listeners, and you know, as time goes on. But I think it's just to, I think it really comes down to it, is just to make as much of a positive impact on, on those around me um, through what I do. I think as a musician, that's your power and, and also in a way your responsibility to, to be that kind of, um, of, a, of, a, of a positive impact, let's say, through what you do. Because music in the end, it's so like regardless of whether it comes from the violin or whether it comes from from the piano or from any other instrument or even from you know it's just, those are it's something there to to comfort to soothe but also to tell our stories back to ourselves in a way or to even process what is you know what what is uh, difficult to process but in a meaningful and beautiful way let's say, you know, um, I'm, in my mind, I'm always like thinking back to how important it was, you know, for, for let's say violin or soloists, let's say to tour, to play for soldiers during World War II, for example, or in, in wartime, let's say when how people in times of, of, uh, of, of, let's say even uncertainty, you know, that how, music then becomes something that uplifts that you know that becomes very essential in that way it provides hope it provides all of these things it provides you know sort of a, you know uh, a look into the future um somehow and uh regardless of whatever i find that, that that's the power of music it encapsulated like that you know that's that's um, and so I feel like just just to be able to have that kind of positive influence to as on as much people as possible, or as let's say the people who are around me, to I feel like that's already um, that's already I guess a, a life well lived, simply put. Yeah, that's beautiful. But you know, you talk about the music during the war, and I remember that um, my dad told me that. That was something in Dresden when the when Dresden was bombed, and then after in in all with amongst all the ruins, you could actually hear musicians playing uh, days after the bombing. You know that that was the thing that they did, and it's like a way of uplifting and and giving hope. And and of course, this is what it's all about. Then, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I think it's a it's sort of, it's something that I I take quite, uh, yeah, I, I do feel as a as a as a responsibility in a way mm -hmm. to just continue to spread good uh, good vibes, you know, like uh, positive influence. I think that's yeah. I mean, and, and these days it's also quite interesting how you know the the abundance of tools that we have also social media is something very very powerful as well that can reach a lot of people that are not necessarily in your vicinity Absolutely. Um, mm. but just to 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 by you know yeah to to put it in a nutshell like just by by staying true to myself mm. by continuing to let's say um, to evolve and to continue to search deep within myself for what true, what, what kind of the essence that there is inside. The music that stems within that or stems from that 
um, for that to continue to, to, uh, yeah, to reach and to touch people that, that for me would be a very noble, I guess, a very noble goal. That's wonderful, yeah. But did did the pandemic make you also rethink things about your music? Sure, I mean, it, it sort of. Well, it definitely confirmed to me how 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 important music was in the first place, even more than let's say before that you would have that awareness. The fact that let's say you know live music was taken away for for a long time, um, and the fact that even social interaction was taken away for a long time, mm. you know, like these things um, for me sort of was an affirmation of the power of music or anything that brings people together because that's a need in the end. It's like, it showed me that that was a need. Um, but in a sense, it's sort of like, it was an opportunity also for me to go deeper as well, internally as well, like within myself, you suddenly, and this is also like a, a difference which I've also found between playing in a concert hall in a concert versus recording versus let's say being alone in a recording studio. Oh, yeah. There is something very interior about that aspect when you're playing, let's say, in front of a microphone, that the projection, let's say, that you would that you would look for in a concert hall, the projection of 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 whatever it is that you want to project. It's reflected more inward. It's more like a, it becomes more of an introverted, you know, uh, it's the same, it's the same intensity. It's the same intention as well, but it's, it's just reflected differently. I find a working, working solo during the pandemic a lot, like, and, and being alone and being confronted with a lot of, let's say the, the things that you're confronted with. It's like, it's something that, that, that caused me to, to work even more to be get to get used to working in that way, you know, of of just trying to get into the to the heart of the music, into the heart of myself, you know, um, with with the complete absence of let's say even uh, stage dynamics, okay. anything demonstrative, anything to do with show anything to like these things in a way because we didn't have concerts that back then but those things just completely strip away it's like they're not that important anymore they've never really been important not more than let's say the the being able to let's say in your in your human state you try and embody the music that you play you know and um that internal process i think was what became very clear during during the pandemic, um, and for music also to be, be a, an essential way to process a lot of the difficult emotions that I think we were all uh, feeling during that time, mm -hmm. uh, during isolation or during thing. But also, I mean, also in a more sort of like yeah, in, in a more more to do with like a, the 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 spreading or the sharing of music. Then that's also when I really started to to ramp up. Uh, video and and let's say also experimenting with how for example i mean i did a few videos where i would overlay myself like or i would play with multiple me's let's say and oh, yeah. create artificial chamber music that way mm -hmm. just with a microphone and with a video camera um you know these things also cause you to experiment with with uh possible um possible means of expression in the future as well like not just to do with also you're playing, but also how technology can make things a little interesting. Like, can, again, like just being able to, to lay yourself, multiple layers of yourself on each other. And, uh, you know, in an artistic sense, but also just broadly in, in the way that you're able to reach a lot more people than to, uh, to, to that social media and do that video making becomes a tool in that sense. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of musicians started experimenting like that. And it's it's wonderful because now we can see also, you know, and I mean, if it wasn't for social media, I mean, I discovered, well, I just not discovered, but I saw you there and I'm so happy that I got to connect with you there. So it's great that you, you know, that you are on social media. 
For sure, yeah. No, I think it's it's also I think it's a it's always a plus when 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 musicians get more comfortable playing, let's say, in front of a camera or in front of a microphone, because I think yeah. the more and more in, in 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 as you go along in the profession, I think that that's just something that's very that's that's mm. that's a an essential component of what we do as well. But I think like just um, yeah, I think it's a it's a to be active on social media. I mean, it can be as an educational thing, as a, as an interactive thing, can be quite uh, it's it's a it's a powerful thing, um, and and also it's sort of like I find that social media, regardless of what you do, it's like an extension of your own personality um, as well. It kind of shows people who you really exactly. or or you know certain essential yeah. facets of who you are, and I think for me to to continue to like my attitude when it comes to social media is, is to, well, in a way to let, to let what I do speak for itself in a sense, you know, to, to do what I would usually do, um, to, let's say, avoid the temptation of something demonstrative, because of course, I think when you're on, when you're on camera to an extent, everything becomes rather demonstrative or rather performative. Um, but, uh, just to be, to show, to, to, to in a way demonstrate or to, to paint a picture of, let's say, the inner workings of a, of a musician. Let's say um, when, when, for example, you would be working with yourself or when you would be, you know, in the, in the, the, the very honest process of internalizing music. I think that's, that's a very interesting thing to show. And I think that people have, have really responded to that because in a way it's that it's, uh, you know, again, I think that the music speaks for itself somehow. Yeah, yeah I think it's important because it it brings sort of uh, um, people an understanding also. Because I think if we only see musicians in the concert halls, then there's a bit of a distance. And social media has now broken through that and, you know, brought this more closeness and I think also a lot of people who not won't necessarily uh would have been interested in classical music now get exposed to that more and more on social media and I think that's also a great thing well absolutely absolutely I think uh you know um it's all it's all just more you know more beauty that's being transmitted that's yeah. that's more accessible let's say um i think just all in all that's uh it's uh yeah in, in a sense i think that also you know it will it will, it will come back it will, it will sort of mm -hmm. that effort comes full circle in a sense that people do become curious and come to the concert hall as a result. Exactly. You know, yeah. um, but I think it's, it speaks to the importance of how for musicians, I find not just for people to come to them, mm. because I think that's a very, it's a very natural mindset to, to come to because of the fact that how much work you put in practicing and all that stuff. And, you know, you, you go to a concert hall and you feel like, sure. But I think also like the importance, especially these days, of musicians going out and bringing music to others. Yeah. Doing like making the active effort to do that, because as well, we become very much ambassadors of what we do as well. And so whether it's through social media or whether it's through um, um, reaching out in, in one's community, let's say, those immediately around you, I think that uh, musicians these days um, play that dual role, you know, um, and yeah, I think it's just, that's, that's very important today. But listen, this was so lovely talking to you, such great insights in, in, in what you do and, uh, how you do it. And I'm so happy that, uh, I could get the opportunity to talk to you and, um, thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you so much, Petra. It was uh, yeah. also a pleasure to talk to you and to meet you. And, it was uh, really, yeah. really yeah. so lovely. And please let me know when you come to Vienna. Do you come? Well, have you been? 
you know, I've actually never been to Vienna. Really? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still sort of, uh, I'm still looking to forward to the first time I'm going to come, but uh, perhaps oh, I hope soon. That perhaps will be soon. soon. Can yeah. we put the wish out there? <laughs> yeah, we'd love to come. We'd love to come, of course. Yeah. That would be great. Please let me know when you're here. I would so love to see you in concert. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So have a lovely uh, rest of the day. The, I Thank can you. see the lovely sunshine at the back of the window there. Yeah, it's good weather today, so we're lucky. <laughs> okay. <laughs> After a bit of grey. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Okay, Carson, have a lovely day. Yeah, um, thank you so much, I hope Petra. to see you soon. <laughs> hope to see you soon and great to speak to you again. Thank you again. Thank Petra. you. Yeah. Bye. Bye, bye, bye.